Here at the AI and Industry Podcast, it's our goal to always have episodes that will resonate with anybody in the business audience, to cover topics, trends, and dynamics of AI's uses in business that will resonate with and be able to be fruitfully used in some way by literally all of our audience. And there's few more ubiquitous functions in business than that of sales and relationship management. Obviously, if you're selling enterprise software or consulting of some kind, there's of course going to be a sales element, but even companies that work in retail and are selling to consumers have to sell to supermarkets to get them to carry their product or have to sell to affiliates to get them to advertise for their product. The function of relationship management and sales is pretty darn ubiquitous in business at large. And we talk this week about how artificial intelligence and machine learning are allowing for new functions and functionality in the CRM. The jobs that salespeople don't like or just frankly aren't good at and that machines can do better, as it turns out, now the machines are doing better in many regards. We speak this week with Bastian Janmat, who's the CEO and co-founder of DataFox. DataFox is about four years old. Uh, according to LinkedIn, they've got just about 100 employees now based here in San Francisco. And DataFox focuses specifically on sales enablement with artificial intelligence. We talk about how the process of data entry is being automated with AI. We talk about how email marketing and phone call follow-up is being aided by artificial intelligence and how even phone scripts and the prompting of salespeople during an actual phone call is being enhanced in some way, shape, or form via NLP and artificial intelligence broadly. Lots of interesting use cases as to how CRM is changing. And at the end of the episode, we talk with Bastian about what the next five years look like in terms of what AI applications are going to be ubiquitous across CRM at large. In other words, if you're using a CRM today, in five years, you will almost definitely have to have these basic features and functions. And Bastian has some interesting opinions and perspectives there that I think will help people prepare their sales team and sales organization for the future. So without further ado, this is Bastian with DataFox here on AI and Industry. So Bastian, first question I wanted to run by you is what are the applications or functions within a CRM that AI or machine learning are making possible that maybe weren't before? Obviously, CRMs have been awful handy in business for quite some time now. Presumably, AI wouldn't have been brought into something that was already solved. If you're going to talk about maybe the highest ROI, most important functions and features, what are those that AI within a CRM context can sort of deliver the most value? Sure. I guess just to start off a reminder of what the CRM actually is, right? A lot of people will know it to mean Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics, but fundamentally it's a database with information about companies, customers, and their products, right? You could even say that for some businesses, if they're using a spreadsheet to do this, this is their CRM. But most companies, once they grow to a certain size, and they're handling large numbers of customers or, or prospects, they, they do this through software like Salesforce. What's always been weird to me about that is that you can think of these CRMs almost like empty filing cabinets where when you get it, it's kind of useless on day one, right? It only oh, yeah. becomes useful when you actually start putting information in that filing cabinet. The problem is that that, that actually takes a lot of work, right? And, and any business or any listener here with uh, that sits close to or on a sales team knows this the amount of time the sales rep spends kind of putting information in a CRM, it's astronomical. And A, that wastes a lot of time. B, it makes it difficult going forward to keep all of that information up to date 
and fresh, and it becomes kind of a, a hairball of a system. So this is the perfect kind of problem to actually apply AI to, because AI is fundamentally able to take a, a large data set and organize it all and pull insights out of that data set. The way that plays out for someone who's using a CRM but embeds AI into it is it might save you time. So now instead of information about the companies that could be good prospects for you, instead of putting that in your CRM manually, you can have AI automatically organize information about the segments that you're looking to sell into. And once it's there, AI can unearth all kinds of interesting signals. If you have a lot of prospects, in, how do you which of those leads or prospects to focus on? Now, that's one area in which AI does something called lead calling, where it instructs a sales rep where to focus their time. There's call recording technology that'll look at the conversation being had on a phone call. It'll identify the words and phrases being said. It'll tell you you're speaking too much and it's better to let the prospect do more of the talking. Or maybe it'll say, hey, they just mentioned this competitor. Here's a good response to have to yeah, that when they yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just to dive into some of these, I want to you know poke under the hood on a few of these that you're bringing up. Again, we're, we're trying to talk here about what are those that are most important and most valuable. Really, the first thing that you went to was the very obnoxious and annoying data entry problem that no salesperson who's ever been born has ever enjoyed. You mentioned that this is a nice problem for artificial intelligence to solve. Now, in my mind, and what I like to do is I, I like the listeners to literally be able to see in their heads how this works at the same level that the experts that we have on the program can see it. In my mind, this looks like, okay, I'm on the phone with Bill Stevens. I've got the guy's email address and maybe I've got his LinkedIn account. And this CRM will yank in positively everything relevant about this fellow and organize and sort it in a way that's useful. So I'll know his current role and position. I'll know how long he's been there. I'll know the previous roles he's worked in. I'll have all of his social accounts handy so I can draw upon that. You know, I can just have all that stuff yanked right in just by having his maybe email address or something along those lines. Am I on the right page here about a system sort of going out into the open web and yanking in information based on a limited amount of data that we give it? Or is this a different sort of a an application that I'm imagining? No, you're right. You're definitely thinking in the right direction. I, I would say even a step before. So what was the name you used? Bill something, I think Yeah, you said. Bill Stevens or something. Bill just Stevens. It. All right. So Bill Stevens signs up on your company's website to receive more information about your product. Got but it. all Bill put was his name and his email address. Now, you get lots of bills and other people signing up every single day. How do you know if it makes sense to spend time on Bill and to call him back? So the yep. first thing that AI can do is pull all the information that's available about Bill into one profile so you don't have to go do that research to form a fuller picture of who he is. Then, about Bill to the right rep. You know, Does Bill work in a sector that you cover or maybe your colleague is more adept at covering that sector? So mm. let's make the right person on your team calls Bill, the one who knows his sector. And then you know what? Most deals, they don't close in one go. So it'll probably take a lot more calls and emails and many interactions coming days, weeks, or months to close that deal. And so things about Bill are going to change. There might be news about him or his business. He might even leave the company and go elsewhere. And so these are essential insights to have to stay up to date. And then finally, let's say you do close that deal with Bill. Well, dang, if we can close that deal, who are all the other Bills out there that work for similar businesses where we might also have a good shot at closing that deal? So AI can find the similar opportunities, the ones that look just like the one you just closed. 
Excellent. Okay, cool. And we can poke into all of those. And I, I immediately see the relevance of all the use cases and, and the, the functions that you had just articulated. One of them being, you know, we'll go down in order here. And I think all of this is relevant. Routing this individual lead, let's say filled out a web form or however we acquired his information, routing this person to sort of the best person to get in touch with him. So who on our team is going to be best to deal with this individual. I take it that through context, and I know that you folks are working on a variety of these functions and features yourselves, you'd understand how this actually works. Maybe through context on LinkedIn, I can sort of understand, okay, he works for Prudential, so you know we should call him the finance sector, and here's the people that we've tagged in our own CRM as being the salespeople that handle finance or do the best in finance. And so we sort of route them. The contextual pulling in of what industry is this person in that does seem to be a kind of rich and robust problem here because maybe he's more of a marketing guy. He does marketing at Prudential. Do we call him a marketing professional? Do we call him someone in the finance sector? How is that routed from there? It seems like the number of categories are quite literally infinite. How would that routing work in an actual business context? Yeah, exactly. These are all rules that you should set up exactly that dive into these questions. If Bill works at Prudential, well, wow, that's a potentially very large account. So, you know, hopefully our technology or, you know, whatever you're using shows that Prudential, it's a large business. This is a big opportunity. Let's route this to an experienced account executive. It also matters what Bill does there. Is Bill relatively low on the food chain there? He's probably just kicking the tires. Or is he the CFO or the CMO, you know, a VP, a decision maker, in which case, again, let's get him into the hands of an experienced account executive as soon as possible. Even more important than that, Prudential is a large company. Maybe we're already talking to them. If that's the case, let's immediately route Bill to the person who's already talking to Prudential, because there's nothing worse than Bill having to waste his time talking to one of our sales reps who acts as if it's the first conversation we're having with Prudential, whereas really we're pretty far down the road. So these are all, you can almost think of it as kind of like a a decision tree. What is the company, uh, one that we're already speaking to? All right. Is it one that's over? If not, if so, send it to that rep. If not, is it a large company? Okay. If it is, then is, does he have a senior title? Okay. Route him. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So this is these are really important considerations. And, and Bastian, I appreciate the clarity because again, I like people who are listening to close their eyes and see how the hell what we're articulating actually works. And, and that makes a lot of sense. So you're talking about, we're building a chain of if-then scenarios. We're building an, a hierarchy of rules based on our business and our priorities where we will kind of route them to wherever they need to go based on question one, two, three, four, five, and everybody will get sorted to where they need to. That's right. Got it. Okay, cool. You brought up another good example of, you know, is someone already speaking with this company? I mean, all of these are are excellent questions that within reason, every company should be sort of considering when a new lead comes into the hopper. You talked about kind of the follow-up as a next example. So we've talked about pulling in information about this lead. We've talked about routing them to the right person. Uh, Someone gets a hold of them. Of course, now we're going to start a real cadence, a real rhythm of communication to try to get this deal closed, to try to move to our next step, whatever that might be for our business. What does the automation of that cadence look like? I imagine for many folks, it might be you make a manual note in the CRM that you ended the meeting this way. You set a timer that seven days from now, this email is going to go out and you need to call this guy. And maybe that wouldn't necessarily have involved AI, but there's some manual sort of pecking that goes on there into the keyboard that salespeople are notoriously not great at. What does it look like with AI in the mix when we're starting to aim to automate this cadence of follow-up for a sales deal? 
Yeah, right. There's some great technology out there now that helps exactly as you said, kind of automate the steps that you would want to take anyways, right? So you got off the phone with Bill and you know that next you're going to want to send him a thank you email. And then if he doesn't respond, then a week later you want to you want to get a reminder to call him or leave him a voice message and then follow up with an email again. And then maybe you want to send another email four days later. So there's some great automation software out there now where you can set up that sequence and then get those reminders or even have the emails go out automatically. And to save the embarrassment of following up accidentally, the software is smart enough to make sure that if Bill does respond, it cancels the rest of that automated sequence. I don't think there's that much AI going on there. You know, that's mainly automation. But where AI can play a big role is in how to figure out what to actually say in those emails. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Right, and AI can play a big role in in delivering insights on somebody. At the end of the day, this is all about building a relationship. And, you know, it's kind of old school sales way before the days of AI. This is irrelevant. You got to know what matters to Bill and does he have a need and how can you help him solve his problem? And the first step, maybe one of the most important steps there is to show that you really understand him and, and his use case. So there's so much information out there now. How do you efficiently try and figure out what you need to know about Bill or about his company, Prudential, to actually build that relationship? And that's where AI can play a big role. You can set up all kinds of filters and queries nowadays that ensure that you get information about the company and about the person that you need to be smart on. Got it. So you can schedule out the kind of information and and draw the relevant resources to you immediately that can let you mold those marketing messages that are going to resonate. So kind of like we did when we pulled the information of Bill into the system, sort of we can aggregate and yank together the relevant information about this particular sales case so that we can kind of make the right marketing decisions about where to go from there. Now, I think kind of an important point maybe to touch on next, and I I am eager before we're off this call to talk a bit about what the future of uh, the CRM experience will look like kind of in the enterprise broadly in the future here. But before we do, we've talked about a couple interesting cases, uh, some of which we've been able to go in more depth, pulling in the information for a contact, routing that to the proper person, following up in a targeted, relevant way with this person. And then even, as you had mentioned, via some kind of a phone application, prompt a salesperson on what to say next in what context, prompt a salesperson on how to rebut a particular statement recently made by the person on the other line. This is very clearly artificial intelligence at work. These are not things we would have been able to do without NLP or some kind of a robust process to back that stuff up. But there's some instrumentation that would go into getting this set up. Determining those rules to route this lead to the right person is going to be a concerted business effort. It's going to take some intellectual muscle. Determining the rules of what we want to prompt live in a sales call to our salespeople at what time in real time, these are going to take some intellectual muscle and forethought. What is the kind of setup for this stuff? I think some people probably are of the belief that this is too hard. Other people are probably of the belief that it's a magic box and I open it and all of a sudden my calls go to the right place. Clearly, it's neither of those. What does the real boots on the ground experience look like when we're setting up a robust system of this kind? You're addressing an important point, which is that with all this powerful technology, we're also seeing the birth of an essential new role in sales, which Mm. is sales operations. That term has been used for a while. It's a hot job now and has been, you know, especially in the last couple of years. And, And sales ops can work closely with marketing operations, 
Sometimes there's a more general role called business operations or revenue operations. But this is basically the architect of all of these flows and how all these technologies work mm. together. This is the person who decides you know, what should that routing look like? What are the types of insights that we want to feed to our reps so they are informed but not inundated? If we're going to look at a prospect like Bill and then seek more opportunities that look similar to Bill, how many am I going to send to each of the sales reps on our team and how often? Yeah. And you need to wield all these tools with great care. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. It's absolutely an iterative process, right? You're going to notice that kind of the system gets gummed up sometimes. Yeah. Or maybe certain insights are too difficult for a rep to access. They don't want to be logging into a system outside of their CRM. So how do you make it all seamless? And uh, how do you ensure that uh, you keep iterating on how it all works together? This is a, a great answer. And I, I think there's a little bit of meat to shake off the bones here, which I, I'm really excited to do. I think a lot of the time the vendor messaging has to be to some degree, right? Nobody wants to have to say, hey, we're going to automate and augment human abilities and you know drive more revenue and improve efficiencies. But by golly, you got some work on the front end, right? The marketing always has to be AI doing the work, right? But I think you know any mature person understands that there's going to be setup and there's going to be a process and, and that we're going to have to invest our time and thought in order to get uh, a substantial result. I appreciate your clarity there. This idea of a sales operations person having a more and more important role, I think, is critical. And maybe you'll touch on that when we talk about future trends. When it comes to, and I know you can only speak for yourself here, we talk to a lot of people in the marketing uh, space in addition to kind of sales enablement, which I know DataFox, your company, I would consider kind of sales enablement. Is this how you refer to yourselves? Sure, yeah, or sales acceleration. We call our technology CRM orchestration because we tie together all the insights that we can find externally that pertain to the accounts that someone's focused on in their CRM. And we, we, we tie it all together and help trigger the workflows that we think will lead to the greatest results. Sales accelerate. I like I like the languaging as a marketing guy. I, I like the languaging. And we've talked to some folks. We recently had Vidora on the program, works in sort of the marketing space for uh, subscription-based businesses. And then they had talked about the fact that, you know, sometimes early on in the game, the client companies that they'll work with probably should have some kind of data science chops if they really want to embed this stuff and get it going. You had mentioned the importance of a sales ops person, you know, I know you can only speak for DataFox. I'm sure some people are curious, you know, when it comes to getting, you know, a system like yours off the ground, you'll need a sales operations person to do the deep thinking and what I would call kind of the instrumentation of how this process needs to be set up within a business, which is totally non-trivial. Do you also off the bat, obviously there's going to be hands-on work with your team, for example, if we're just talking about you folks. Is there some need for AI or data science chops on the client side to get something this cutting edge plugged into their CRM? That's interesting. Well, we, we've definitely seen some companies who have a very particular way that they want to instrument something. And so that'll often require some engineering or some, some data science chops to wire it all up. I think an important trend that I've noticed or a takeaway that, that I've come away with is that what people are not interested in is a black box approach. The whole, you know, just plug this in and just trust what the system spits out and <laughs> yeah, yeah. do exactly what you're told. Yeah. I think we all agree that technology is helping us be more efficient in sales, but the sales rep will never be replaced. You know, if anything, the way I think about it is we build these APIs and 
they'll automate certain activities and maybe some email campaigns here and there. But ultimately, we need to feed the right suggestions to a rep with the right context so that a human being can make a decision with that information and build a relationship and go forward. So anyone who says sales will be fully automated, I think, is uh, is kidding themselves. But it, you know, yeah, it is yeah. interesting, therefore, that companies who have a very particular view for how they want to instrument their sales process, that there might not be an off-the-shelf piece of software that yep. does exactly that. And that's where you see those data science teams kind of take the APIs and tools that they can find and, and build their own system from scratch. And I imagine that your goal, as you guys you know, continue to grow, and you've grown quite a bit in just the last few years here, it would seem very advantageous to you where so long as a company has a sales ops person who can think through these intellectual problems and work within your user interface, that that's the level of expertise they need. They wouldn't need a guy with a PhD from Carnegie Mellon. They wouldn't need six guys with masters from Stanford to instrument the process, set up the AI to do it what you want. I can imagine a fellow like yourself, you want to be able to plug this into a sales operator's hands and have them set it up from there. Is that kind of the end game that we're shooting for? Because I imagine the barriers to entry with the wizard skills of AI are pretty substantial if this continues to be as, as maybe complex as it was you know, years ago. It's certainly my pitch. I go in and I say, hey, don't hire a team of PhDs. View us as your outsourced team of PhDs. And nice. Let, let us plug it into your system. And we can get creative around how we integrate, but let us do the AI piece. Got it. Okay. Well, I, I certainly like the pitch if I was a client. I hope that as the years progress, we get closer and closer to that reality. I know right now there's still some wizard skills in, in the domain of AI, but I think companies like yours that are aiming to push this into the hands of so long as you've got sales context and you know how to run this operation, you should be able to work within this interface and get it set up. I'm, I'm definitely rooting for the fact that this will continue to be simpler and simpler as time moves along. Last question, Bastian, to wrap up here, and I, I really appreciate your insights on sort of how this stuff gets plugged into companies. I'm looking forward now to the future. Some of what you folks do is new and cutting edge. Obviously, there are you know, a lot of different companies that are working on kind of sales enablement in different areas than yourself and maybe in some overlapping spaces. You're looking at a lot of broad trends. You're thinking about the market at large. Obviously, you guys are building a product to be around for quite some time and to be an, an important technology company. When you think about what the core AI functions and capabilities are within the CRM that within five years or so are going to be almost ubiquitous in maybe mid-size and large companies, I don't know if AI in the CRM is going to be normal for small businesses in five years. That feels optimistic to me. You might disagree. What do you see as kind of the, hey, Dan, in five years, the CRM world will have a robust integration of AI kind of across the board. Companies won't be able to survive unless their CRM can at least do X. What are those X's that you think are going to become norms in business at large, let's say half a decade out? Yeah, interesting. No, what's hardest about AI is actually, I think, the underlying data. Because if the data set isn't clean and structured, it can just be very difficult to discern meaningful patterns and apply them in a way that's consistently beneficial. And so what we're doing is difficult because we at DataFox, we're capturing information on millions of companies and people. And oh, yeah. there are just so many edge cases and things change so quickly. So it's, it's difficult. So what I think will be pervasive first is the use of AI to forecast and coach within a sales team. And I think that because those data sets are much smaller, there are fewer edge cases. So it'll be more of a no-brainer for anybody to plug in, regardless of their industry or 
or the nature of their customers. So for example, you know, you have a sales rep and it just so happens that if you really dug into the data, that sales rep tends to be over forecasting every single month. Every single month, they think they're going to close 70K worth of deals and they close 20K worth of deals or whatever. And, and there's data there to show that. But that's the kind of insight that's difficult for us to go in and pull into a spreadsheet and figure out. And it's a very confined and well-structured data set to apply AI to. So if anything, I think five years from now, we'll all have AI-driven help on forecasting and coaching within the CRMs that tell us, hey, Dan, I think you might be over forecasting that deal, or you haven't touched base with that contact person recently enough for that deal to close in the near term. I think we're going to see that uh, applied and be pervasive very soon. Whereas the other types of AI that involve analysis of, of every company and every person out there and and take into account so many edge cases, I think that'll take a little longer for that to be super pervasive. Cool. Okay. So in terms of ubiquitous applications, forecasting, you know, that like you had said, less edge cases, easier to maybe work with some of the data that coaching folks who are working on on these individual sales and kind of getting ourselves a, a more reliable aggregate system for forecasting that this will become an AI facet or feature that really companies won't be able to do without. That's right. Cool. All right. Excellent. Bastian, that's all that we had for time, but that was very, very insightful. And I appreciate you being here on the AI and industry podcast. Thank you for having me. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, most of our podcast listeners get our, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.